from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. From the outset, it was a blowout. From the beginning, it was a dominant performance. A Celtics team that has been questioned by this show and every other show on ESPN other than Mike Greenberg has been, had the moment and the opportunity to make a statement, and they did. And even through making that statement, didn't change my mind. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. You guys can chime in on this one. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. The Celtics just absolutely beat the snot out of the Miami Heat last night. The game felt like it was over in the first five minutes, Harry, and that's leading to massive overreaction from everybody today saying, oh my God, the whole series has turned around. We've forgotten Miami is still up in this thing three games to two. The Celtics got a big win. I'm happy for them, but if you ask me, this series still has plenty of basketball left to happen and I'm not changing my prediction that the Heat are going to win me and you both Fitz I need to see what's going to transpire in game six because I'm just not going to jump on the wagon of the Celtics at this moment because they had a phenomenal game in which we've seen inconsistencies over and over again time and time again throughout these playoffs with this basketball team now what they did yesterday was phenomenal they came out basically like a like like a lion in the jungle, uh, finding its prey, or a lion, lion in Africa finding a wildebeest and, and just taking control over it. The Miami Heat had no control yesterday whatsoever, from the three pointers, you know, to the defense, to the intensity, to crowding the airspace of the Miami Heat, to the point that they had Bam and a Bayou bouncing around like a damn pinball in a pinball machine, left and right. The defensive intensity of the Boston Celtics is what we've seen from this team last year on their playoff run. It's something that we really haven't seen in this year's playoff run, but we've seen it the last six quarters. Not the last two games, but the last six quarters. The second half of game four and the four quarters that we witnessed yesterday. Here's the thing. You're right about everything you just said. Let let me be very clear. I want to credit the Celtics for a great win. Right, They did all the things we've been asking them to do. They moved the ball better. Right, They found corner threes left and right. Miami looked slow from the outset. They looked incapable of figuring out how to rotate and adjust defensively. You're right. Bam uh, Adebayo looked less like Bam Bam Bigelow and more like Bam Bam from the Flintstones, like the little kid. Like Bam was not a factor in this game. Bam all. Bam. Uh, bam Bam. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler was absolutely like the butler took the night off. Uh, all of these things, just everything that could go wrong for the Miami Heat felt like it did go wrong, and it was an uninspired effort. But Here's, I think, the reason it hasn't changed my mind, Harry, because we keep saying, oh, oh, this is the version of the Celtics we knew existed. All right, I, I can agree with that. And I can also say this is the not the version of the Celtics we got for the first three and a half games of this series. Like, there, if I got to go with proof of concept one way or the other, I've now watched Jimmy Butler and the Heat come out flat once. I've watched the Celtics be up and down over and over and over again. So what happened last night? The Celtics made their shots. The Heat missed theirs. The Celtics played better with better intensity than the Heat played with. Is that something that will be replicated in Game 6? 
Maybe. Am I sitting around panicking right now? No. Like, I, I think at some point we have to start to look not just at one game, but the series as a whole. We saw one great game. We've now seen, to your point, one and a half great games from the Celtics. We've seen three and a half at this point from Miami. So it still weighs in the favor of the Heat to me. Well, Fitz, that's why I can't change my mind on who I predicted after the Heat went up 3-0 to win this series. I, I can't do that right now. Now, if the Boston Celtics go out there and I've, I've seen, I see from them in game six what I've seen from them in game five, then my mind may be swayed a little bit now. Now, now i got some things to think about. I may feel differently about the Boston Celtics at that point. But right now, heading into game six, I still have the Miami Heat winning this series at the moment. Now, That's how I feel. Even though the Boston Celtics, for a game and a half, have played Phenomenal. You know what? I, I knew I knew the Celtics were going to win last night. You know how I knew, though, Fitz? Uh, our lookie. When, was it our lookie? Our lookie. Well, our lookie. That's one other thing. I seen McLovin in the crowd from super bad at the Garden yesterday. See, you can block McLovin on the movie Superbad, but you ain't going to block McLovin when he's in the building rooting for his Celtics. I should have known. I mean, McLovin, uh, that, I don't know how you stop McLovin. Here's the, the – I'm, I'm <laughs> flustered by McLovin. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, part of this for me, Harry, is like if you've ever – anybody in their life, not you, you are happily married to a glorious woman. A lot of people listening right now have dated somebody that was crazy, right? And so when they're crazy, uh, you reach a spot where you're like, man, you just can't fix crazy, right? And then you go out <laughs> on a couple dates in a row and you're like, no, but we had a great time. This is what happens. Like – when they're crazy, all of a sudden you have a couple of nice dates. You're like, no, 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 guys, she's changed. She's changed. And she's not crazy anymore. And then what? the minute you say the phrase to your friends, she's not crazy anymore, what happens? She proves she's crazy again. Mm-hmm. That, and, and, like, right now I got trust issues with the Celtics because, man, I can't figure out how they were. For all of the conversation Greeny keeps telling the world he's been right about, that nobody has told me yet how it is possible they looked that bad for the first three games. Nobody has told me yet how they laid down in game three. I've seen crazy from the Celtics. I do not trust normal when I've seen that level of crazy. Well, here's the thing about the Celtics that when I'm watching them comes to mind. When they're hitting three-pointers and they're making those three-point shots, yes, the defensive intensity is there. They feel different about themselves. But I want to see what this Boston Celtics team is going to do in game six. Let's just say hypothetically the three-pointers aren't falling down. Are you going to still have that same defensive intensity Because if you're not making threes, I would think that's when your defensive intensity needs to be higher, more so than when you're making them. Yeah, and and there's a combination here. Again, this is going to be clipped off into these little social media bites and people are going to crush me. I want to give the Celtics credit for what they're accomplishing. I, I have to say that loudly here. But also, can we not acknowledge that with all of the defense you're talking about from the Celtics, part of it was just laziness with the ball from the heat like I, the first we, possession of the game was a turnover for the Miami Heat the, the Celtics have 54 points off turnovers in the last two games that's their yep. most over any two game span this season but uh, uh, you know anybody that's ever played pickup ball you're running up and down the court like somebody's got to give you a wolf like you got to know that, it, that somebody's running up behind you we saw it happen three or four times in this game where you've got a heat player just lollygagging up the court and all of a sudden pop gets popped out from behind. There was no urgency to the Heat in protecting the ball. There was no urgency to the Heat in defensive uh, efficiency. Like, none of it felt urgent from the Heat. So, I'm giving the Celtics credit, but I also just don't think the Heat are going to lay down that way again. Well, here's the thing. I I think the Heat were, they were entirely too casual. Mm -hmm. And and Kenny Smith brought this up at halftime, right? The, The Miami Heat were down 11 points. 
um, late in the second quarter. And their defensive laziness allowed Derek White to get a wide open look. Okay, so now the, my, the, the Celtics go up 14. They come down on the next possession with a lazy, lackadaisical pass. And next thing you know, it goes back the other way for a layup. So just instantly, now you're down 16 because of not being locked in 100% and being careless. I, I love the way you just said that. Not locked in. That's what Miami felt like all that. I'm not going to excuse that. There's no excuse to not be locked in when you can, as Harry Douglas has said throughout the course of the NBA playoffs, got to choke them out. They had the chance. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were not locked in last night. But we've seen not locked in from the Celtics. I heard somebody on Get Up this morning say the, the worst enemy of the Boston Celtics for the last two years has been the Boston Celtics. If that's the case, why do I trust that the Celtics won't beat the Celtics again? Now, that being said, Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, was on SportsCenter with SVP after the game last Last night, this is what he thought about why the Heat absolutely now have their backs up against the wall. Now Boston looks like the best version of what we saw this season. And look, it's been a wild roller coaster ride for them for the last several months. But now they've strung together back-to-back performances. That is them at their best on both ends. That's why you say, yeah, Miami's in trouble. And I think most people would agree They've got one shot now, I think, to win this series. I do not think they win a Game 7 on the road in Boston. So, Game 6 will be the deciding game for the Heat. They've got to end it. At leg say most people Ooh. agree. Not everybody agrees with that. I'm just saying, Harry, well, like, one well, game at a, can we just one game at a time well, this series? Uh, I'll, I'll say this, though, and, and, and I, I touched on it a little bit when we first started. If we get the Celtics team that we've seen the last six quarters, right, in Game 6, and the Celtics win that matchup, I believe the Celtics are going to win the series at that point. I, I, I do. I agree. I agree with you that if the Celtics continue to to thrive, and the Heat continue to struggle in the same ways, yes, I would look at it and say, man. But the can Heat, they do it? Can they do it for an entire game again? That's the question. I got. I, I'm That's the question. I got trust issues with the Celtics. I don't uh, look, like Drake. Everybody's everybody's just sitting here <laughs> telling me that everything's trust coming issues. up roses now and it's going to be fine. I'm telling you, she's still crazy. You guys can chime in on this triple eight. Say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. What does it say about my past that I always seem to go to crazy girls in relationships? All right, we're going to let you weigh in next. Triple eight. Say ESPN. You love what you love, Fitz. <laughs> eight eight eight. Nothing's ever easy in my life. Eight 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 seven two nine. 3776. Your thoughts on this matchup next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Boston Celtics force a game six, 110-97. We're going back to Miami. We have a gnarly group, so uh, you always expect you know things to be uh, challenging in, in the conference finals. One game doesn't lead to the next game. Pressure on them, right? We down 3-0. Nobody thought you know we were gonna win, so we playing free, playing confident. You know, we ready to go down Miami. We'll play uh, much better uh, on Saturday, and that's all we just have to focus on right now. This 
is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. Hey, Devin, can you play the uh, the sensual voice again? This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. I want to know what it feels like to say anything as cool as he says that. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And your smart speakers, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Letting Friday afternoon set the mood for Friday night. All the way into Friday evening for a holiday weekend. Yes, sir. Thoughts and prayers for ceiling fans everywhere. All right, triple eight, <laughs> say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Usually we're not totally off the rails with Love Friday until hour number three on a Friday, but I don't know, Harry. It just feels like this is one of those it's days. It's different. It's I mean, different. Today, today something's, just, something's in the air. I don't know what it is, but I'm just telling you, we're going to be tiptoeing that line all day. Uh, we have had plenty to say about the Celtics getting the big win last night, and we want to let you guys chime in. It hasn't changed our minds. Uh, we're both sort of in wait-and-see mode, uh, but you guys may not. Agree. Triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Mach in Alaska, one of our OGs, one of the first, one of the best. Mach, what you got for us, brother? Hello, guys. How's it going? We're great. Um, look, let me, I'm going to pick something to you real quick. How about you guys? I, I call you once a month, same time. We talk about the Raiders or the Falcons or you know something. Think about it. Anyway. I heard you guys talking about the Celtics being down, going down in four, going down in five. Look, Miami's been playing above its head for the whole playoffs. They've been playing above their head. All their guys have been playing way above themselves. That cannot continue forever. No matter if you got Spo, you got Butler, you know, they they just couldn't keep it up. And Boston cannot play bad every game. That, see, that's a hard and, – and thanks for the call, Mach. You know we always love it when you call in. The hard part about it is I hear you. Like, it shouldn't always work that way. I do agree. Miami's been playing over their head, and Boston's playing below their capability. But when you've seen that over and over and over again, why do we just presume that stops? Like, if that is the trend, at some point that's not just the trend. Harry, that's who you are. Well, that's been a lot of the questions that we had about the Boston Celtics, that they are Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They are up and down. There's not consistency with this basketball team at the moment. So that's why we've had our questions. Number one, Fitz, the other day when you talked about them going home. There's a reason why you said what you said about them at home. It's because their record was four and five. Now their record is five and five. So let's not act like, you know, the record now is 11 and five because they won one game at home. Yeah, There's still a possibility that they can go out there and stink up the place in game six. I'll say it again. So I think it was Alan Hahn this morning on Get Up said the biggest enemy for the Boston Celtics has been the Boston Celtics. That speaks to how inconsistent they've been. And if that's your biggest enemy, I got trust issues. I'm just saying I, I got trust issues through and through. Devin, you want to chime in on this? Are we just are we looking just at the playoffs? Are we looking at are we including like the regular season as well? Because uh, obviously they're the two seeds. So are we just looking at the playoffs? Because I feel like the Heat throughout this postseason run are getting the benefit of the doubt when as the eight seed, when the Celtics, who are the two seed, are getting not the same benefit of the doubt for all of a sudden maybe finding what they had all season long. Yeah, but everybody constantly says, you know, playoff basketball is so different than the regular season. I can't suddenly turn that argument back around, and I really wanted to use that voice, Harry. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like I can't suddenly just ignore the playoff basketball is uh, totally different than the regular season guy. 
Well, I'm talking about like when when we see the defensive performance that they put on last night, we haven't seen that on a consistent basis in the playoffs. Yes, this team is capable of hitting threes, but we haven't seen the ball movement on a consistent basis in these playoffs, right? Um, when you look at the opponent in the Miami Heat, did they struggle shooting a three in the regular season? Yes, they did, but let's not act like they don't have shooters and can't shoot the basketball. I honestly feel like Gabe Vincent was truly, truly missing that game against, against the Boston Celtics, and it showed because now the Boston Celtics are able to crowd the airspace and then when you don't have that natural point guard in there, and I understand Kyle Lowry is Kyle Lowry, but I didn't know Kyle Lowry was going to be that disappointing last night mm. where he's, he had four turnovers being a veteran that won an NBA championship at one point. But the ability of Gabe Vincent to be able to hit threes coming off of pick and rolls and being able to score in a half-court set hurt Miami with him not being there last night. So now the defense isn't strung out that much more if you're the Boston Celtics and one less other guy that you have to worry about. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. More of your thoughts coming. Frank in North Carolina. Frank, what do you got? About to say you got to turn your music down, boss. We got you, Frank. What's going on? On Sirius Well, we thought we had Frank, but uh, his his, his uh, radio was too high for us. We'll we'll try Frank again later. Michael in San Antonio. Michael, what you got for us, brother? Hey man, I was gonna tell you why uh, why Boston was gonna win in seven. Come on, tell us. The uh, when A Rod and Jeter were at Game Four, man, they put the uh, <laughs> the jinx on them. You know, <laughs> when uh, the, the Red Sox came back and got did it in seven. They had to uh, go down there and take the heat off them and get rid of that conversation forever. Oh, man. Uh, here's the thing, Michael. I love that take. And the problem is I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. So I don't believe in any curses. I don't believe in any stitions. You know, I, 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 that's, but I do like it, Harry. You know, I like the uh, – you, you. See, we're opposite. I'm superstitious as hell, yeah, that, there's, Well, that's, that's, just, that's just me. Like, I have to do things the same way a lot of – majority of the times so or I feel discombobulated. Uh, I can adjust on the fly, but when things get a disarray, oh, man. I mean, maybe I should try that this year with the Raiders. Like, if they ever get a win, I'll just wear the same outfit once they get that win and see what happens. Well, the same underwear the entire week. Well, yeah, but the good news for me (laughs) is i got to wait for them to get a win before I have to actually do that, so it could be... Could be a substantial amount of time. Katie in Kansas City. I'm not I'm not afraid to wear dirty drawers if the Raiders win. Katie in Kansas City, what do you got? Save me from myself, Katie. Thanks for calling the show. What you got? Um I am not gonna be surprised one bit if the the Celtics win in seven because if they play the last the next two games the way they played the last two games, they are finally being the Celtics who they were supposed to be. You've got four guys scoring in the 20s last night, and you have the Heat who can't get out of the teams. I mean, and they found a way to shut down Jimmy Butler for the most part. He's trying to do everything, and he's just not getting the support he needs. Uh, I think Jason Tatum even can play better. I mean, he played great, but he can even do more. And I, I, if they keep it up, this is going to be history because they are definitely going to go all the way. Well, see, I think the key part, Katie, in what you said, if they can keep it up. And that's why we have the questions. And now, I do believe that the Boston Celtics played the way they played last night. Yes, they would win this thing in seven. Sure, sure. But the question is, can they do that? And I'll tell you, one one thing I thought that was unique about them putting on the performance that they did last night as well, Fitz, is that I understand Malcolm Brogdon is a big piece of this basketball team, and he's the sixth man of the year. But he only played eight minutes last night, um, you know, because he ha- he's dealing with the injury right now. 
So what they was able to accomplish on that basketball court was with the core, the core principles and the core pieces that they had on last year's run. Jimmy Butler averages about 24, I think it is, 24 drives per game. He had 10 last night, right? So it was a passive version of Jimmy Butler. I'll say this. For every every time I hear this, and Devin, our producer, one of our producers, has been saying this loudly too, like, if, if, if. And I hear all of you when you say this. The only thing I'd say is if the argument is, well, if Boston plays this well for the next two games, they'll win. My only counter to that is if they played that well for the last three games before, they would have won. There's a reason why Boston has lost three games in this series, and it's because at times the Celtics simply don't show up. So how can we know that this is not going to be an issue again when it's been an issue I'll tell over you this. and over again? I'll tell you where they better not be. They better not be late night down there in Miami in Tootsies, second floor getting shoulder rubs like Drake say. Mm-hmm. They better not be in booby trap on the late night, you know, the little after-hour spot. They better be right there in that hotel room eating a nice meal, with the team, figuring out how they can get this win in game six. Leave the nightlife. Leave the establishments alone, Celtics, if you want to win this game six. Leave it alone. Yeah. While you guys are headed to the After Hours Club, tune in tomorrow night for game six of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. Heat host the Celtics. You know that. Presented by Indeed. You know that also. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Coming up, one expert tells us if a historic comeback is in store for the Celtics. Plus, have we been considering the wrong All-Star point guard for the Lakers all along. We'll talk about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Surviving their second straight must-win. The Celtics face yet another must-win. This time in Game 6. Will they survive? Or will the Heat finally put them away in advance to the NBA Finals? Coverage begins tomorrow at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed. Love Fridays on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Using a little Friday afternoon vibe to set the mood for Friday night. We're also going to get you ready for Saturday night because you know that you can listen to the Celtics and the Heat right here on ESPN Radio Saturday night. Maybe, you know, you listen to this before you turn on your love playlist. However you want to do it. I'm not here to judge one way or the other. Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, I will save us all from the love talk, and we will go to more NBA talk. Uh, you see him on the round the horn. You listen to him on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Frank Isola. Frank, always appreciate your time, man. We've been really debating about what sticks uh, sticks out from the Celtics that's sustainable. We have one version of them in the beginning of the series, another version of them for the last game and a half. How confident are you that the Celtics can maintain this level of play for two more games against the Heat? Uh, I am, first of all. How you doing, Jason? And Harry, I covered your brother Tony when he played for the New York Knicks. 
professional player, typical Florida State, hard nose. I love covering your brother, so you should be proud of the way he handled himself. As for, as for as for the Boston Celtics, I, I think it, they really get it done on the defensive end. And, you know, the first play of the game was Marcus Smart diving for a loose ball. I should say that set up the first basket of the game. But I like the fact that Grant Williams has gotten back in there. You know, Grant Williams played 79 games during the regular season, and he had five DMPs already in the playoffs. I thought he played well uh, in game four. I thought last night he played well. And you, you stick Robert Williams out there, and you do have guys that have a defensive mindset. And I also look at the way Tatum played. I thought that Tatum had 30 or maybe like 35 points. He only scored 21. But look at the impact that he made on the game doing other things, rebounding. Uh, he had, I think it was eight assists, 11 rebounds, eight assists. And I think as he goes, they seem to go. But it really all starts for Boston on the defensive end. I think Shaq has said it. I think Charles Barkley has said it during the telecast that, you know, when they're not doing well offensively, it seems to impact them on the defensive end. I know that's true for a lot of teams. But if you want to win a championship, that can't be the case. That Grant Williams point is very pivotal, I think, in, uh, in my opinion, when it comes to this series, because Grant Williams is a guy who's very vocal, talks uh, continuously on defense, says things to guys that probably everyone can't say uh, to, to the people that, that need to hear certain things. But also, he's that junkyard dog that you need. But Frank, I need to ask you. Through five games in this series already, are you giving the benefit of the doubt to the Boston Celtics or the Miami Heat? For me, it's still going to be the Miami Heat just because I, I go back to game two. That's really the one where the Celtics blew. They had the big lead, that a lead in the fourth quarter, and then they fell apart the last four or five minutes of that game. Now, let's, let's, be, you know, let's be honest here. Boston's gone on the road. If you look over the last couple of years, last year, second round, they had to go on the road and win a game, a elimination against Milwaukee. That's when Tatum went off of 46. They had the great game six. I shouldn't say great game six. They had the great fourth quarter against Philadelphia off yet again so they've gone on the road and have won games one thing about Miami even if they were to lose game six they are a mentally tough team and a lot of those guys have been in big playoff games they've been in NBA finals games so I wouldn't necessarily give up on Miami if they lost all the pressure now is on Miami because you don't want to be part of history to be the only you know team in NBA history to blow a 3-0 series lead but I still think they have the edge I, I think they'll find a way to get more, one more win. I'm hoping it goes seven, but I got a funny feeling that uh, Miami's going to win tomorrow. I mean, frankly, for the sake of the ratings and the money our TV partner makes here yes. at ESPN, we would love seven games. I'm not going to lie to you about that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> do you trust the Celtics can win a close game versus the Heat? That's a good. That's a good call. I think they can, just because of what happened in Game Six against Philadelphia. Now, the only difference is so in that last four fourteen against Philadelphia in Game Six on the road, Tatum had twelve points. Philadelphia had three, and Bede had none. I know one thing, and Harden wasn't about it in the last four minutes of that game six. I know Bam Adebayo, he'll be about it. And, and Jimmy Butler, you don't have to worry about him. So from a mental toughness standpoint, the Miami Heat are not going to fold. So I, I get a feeling that we're going to get a classic game tomorrow, and I think down the stretch it's going to come down to Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum making plays. Not necessarily they have to go one-on-one -on -one and score, because we've seen the great players, that they're double-teamed, they're making the right pass, the right reads. So I think it'll come down to those two. But I think Boston can win a close game. I think they uh, rebound well enough. And, you know, Tatum is the X factor. I mean, you know, Tatum has had some – he's still a young player. And if you look over his career, he's had some phenomenal performances, especially in elimination games. We don't know the status of Gabe, Gabe Vincent for game six. He was missed last night. 
How big of an absence was he entirely for the Heat? I, I think it was big. You know, Kyle Lowry, I have a lot of respect for Kyle Lowry, even though he was flopping all over the court. You know, <laughs> Kyle Lowry, at, when he's a backup, he's much better suited for that role. And I think last night he looked a little out of place. And look what Gabe Vincent has done the last two games. He had a 29-point game in Game 3. He had the 17 in Game 4. And then, of course, he hurt his ankle. I, I, I think that's really big for them. He gives him co- uh, quickness on the perimeter. That doesn't mean that Kyle Lowry won't play a role, but I thought he really, really struggled last night. I have a funny feeling, you know, the Miami Heat aren't going to give up games and their guys play hurt. I get all that. I think because they have such a big lead in the series, they figured, you know what, let's just give Gabe Vincent an extra couple of days here so he can rest himself. So I, I, I think he'll be out there. How effective he'll be, that's another story, but I do think that they need him. See, Frank, you you nicer than me. Kyle Lowry looked old last night. <laughs> My goodness. But, but, Harry, hang on, though. If you think about – so for two years, he got what we all want. He was basically on vacation in he Miami was. and, you know, on like a workout program, and I'm sure he was trying to eat well. He didn't do anything for two years. Then all of a sudden he shows up in the playoffs, and the first round against Milwaukee, first he looked differently, and he was also playing a lot better. So he's given them a lot during the playoffs. But, yes, I kind of – I'll – I'll be like you. You're right. He did not look good. He looked old. Last <laughs> uh, said very diplomatically, Frank. Uh, uh, speaking of diplomatically, the the flashers are going off in the studio with the Lakers logo. Like we work for ESPN. I've gone this long in an NBA conversation, not asked a Lakers question. I must fix this wrong. So everybody's talking about the Lakers going after Kyrie, someone you've covered, you know well. Uh, we've seen reports about them considering Trey Young. Also, what do you think the better option would be for the Lakers moving forward? Yeah, I mean, neither of them are really good defensive players. And obviously, you know what you're going to get from Kyrie in terms of an offensive standpoint. But my thing about Kyrie is it's not a question about his talent. The guy's a brilliant player. And, you know, this year he was part of a Nets team that went 18-2 and over a 20-game stretch. It was the best 20-game stretch in franchise history. And that's when he went to management and said, okay, I've played well, now give me my money. And they said, well, hold on. It doesn't work like that. The thing with Kyrie, it's always something. And that always something leads to him not playing in games. So whether it's injury, which I, I understand he can't control, but he did ghost the team a couple of years ago for, for about two weeks. And it just always seems to be something. So if I can get Kyrie on a one-year deal, if you want to pay him like $40, 50000000 million, whatever the case may be, I have no problem with that because he did play really well essentially in the final year of his deal. Now, it wasn't great in Dallas. He's not solely to blame, but they did go from fourth to 11. So I get a feeling it's going to be Kyrie. I think that's the reason he was showing up at those games. I mean, you know, Kyrie a lot of times doesn't show up for games he's supposed to be playing, and now all of a sudden he's showing up at Laker games. So he's doing that for a reason, obviously. <laughs> Frank, uh, we appreciate your expertise, man. Always fun watching you crush it on around the horn. I still think the, the whole game's rigged. You should get more, uh, you should get more wins. And uh, uh, appreciate your work. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Say hello to Tony for me, Harry, all right? I will. That's Frank Casola. You watch him on Around the Horn. You can listen to him on Sirius XM, NBA Radio, always doing great work covering. All right, relax, Denver fans. We're going to talk about your team next. Everybody calm down. We're talking about the Broncos, right? Like, that's what we're talking about? Yeah, that's coming up. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This 
is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN Mike. Mike, you know what? This guy, song got me so turned out. I don't even, like, I didn't turn my mic on. Then I don't know this how to speak. This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. You know what? Add a baby Dev. Friday night in West Hartford's going to get weird. Uh, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN <laughs> app, Sirius XM Channel 80. <laughs> Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, real quick, I should say thank you to uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, for losing last night in overtime. It might sound weird as a Golden Knights fan. Why would I be happy? Well, there was talk that if they swept, that they would try and move the start of the Stanley Cup final up to May 31st. As a result of not sweeping, Game 1 will now be presumably June 3rd, which is my birthday in Vegas. So I appreciate Vegas being like, you know what? We'd rather celebrate with Fitz for that. So even though even though Vegas <laughs> lost last night in overtime to Dallas, uh, that's fine. Uh, as, it, as it appears right now, the Stanley Cup final will uh, now all of a sudden be back to beginning uh, June 3rd. So uh, we'll see how that works moving forward. Uh, Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, a lot of conversation about Denver, finally. Finally, we get into Denver. The Broncos, that is. Uh, and it's because Russell Wilson spoke yesterday. And, uh, I, you know, every time Russell speaks, you know it's going to be just a gem, just a delight. This is what he said about how he feels this offseason. I feel great. You know, I feel uh, feel lean and mean, ready to go and uh, focused. But one have the best offseason of, of my life. And uh, these guys, uh, the team bonding, everybody that, that's uh, putting in the work, it's been amazing. Just uh, the work ethic, the locker room, every guy's, everybody's really tight. Mm, important what he just said the team bonding that's one of the things I think is very important fits for Russell Wilson coming into this season because I feel like you know he didn't have the trust of everyone in that organization especially his teammates a season ago by his performance on the football field and also other things that you know they may have let him um, Nathaniel Hackett get away with around the facility so you want the trust of your teammates so you can go out there and be the best that you can be. Also, not only your teammates, you want the trust of your new head coach in Sean Payton because we already know, and I think it's been alluded to, that Sean Payton, if you're not the guy, he doesn't care how much money you make. He's going to make the necessary changes that he feels like needs to be made in order for the team to have success. Yeah, what's interesting about this is what is success? Right, because what is success becomes sort of this conversation about what do we expect from the Broncos? What do we expect from Russell Wilson? Like, let's be clear: if Russell Wilson goes out and has the absolute best year of his career, he will be the third best quarterback in his division this year. So, like, I just think we have to temper some of the conversation about what success is for Russell Wilson, because even if he's better, he's not going to be Mahomes. I don't even think he's going to be Justin Herbert. Really, right now, he's just trying to prove that Sean Payton shouldn't go out and draft somebody else. Like, that's weird to be saying about Russ. But I think that's where we are. But with the money that he's making, he can't perform in the manner that he did last year. The Denver Broncos as a team got sacked more than everybody. 63 sacks, right? Russell Wilson was sacked 55 times, which was tied with Justin Fields. Part of that is on him because he likes to hold the ball. What is he not going to be able to do in an offense led by Sean Payton? Sit back there and hold that football. You're going to have to get it out quickly, make quick decisions, go through your reads, and, and, and deliver the football. In that manner, also, watching Russ last year, there were numer on numerous of occasions where he didn't hit his layups. You see guys wide open, and then that's when you had the bad body language from the wide receivers on that football team. And also just... 
understanding that Sean Payton, I don't think is going to allow Rush to cook like, uh, like a lot of people probably think he is. I think they're going to rely more on the run game and take the football out of Russ' hands some. That way he gains his confidence. Not saying Russ lost the confidence, but when you're more well-balanced and you have the run game to support you and now you know things are going well for you, I think your confidence is, is, is boost to another level. What's interesting for me is how much does Russ want any of that? Like, all I keep thinking about is the fact that he was with the coaching staff that was getting the best out of him, right? He was with the coaching staff that maybe wasn't letting him cook, but was he was having success with, and then he went somewhere because he specifically wanted autonomy. He wanted to be able to go out there and call his shots. Now he's with the coaching staff that's going to be much like what Seattle was. You will well, he's, do what you're well, no, doing. No, no, he, He's with an alpha-alpha dog. Yeah. Right? Who, who, who learned from Bill Parcells. Mm-hmm. And we all know how that goes, right? When you learn from Bill Parcells, you are a no-nonsense type of coach, and you are that alpha-minded guy. And things are going to be your way. And when you lose fits for for the in the manner that the Denver Broncos lost last year, nobody on that roster can tell Sean Payton what they want to do because 100%. you lost. You tried to do it your way last year, and you lost. So the question is now, does the human being, as much as Russell Wilson's always going to say the right things, let's ride, is he really believing <laughs> any of the let's ride BS where it comes to, like, when it comes to, hey, all right, we're going to let you ride, but you're going to have to ride in my car, my way, and drive my my speed limit down my streets, right? Like, because Sean Payton is not going to sit here and let Russ do what Russ wants to do. So as much as Russ can say the right things, I think the tempered expectation is, one, will the human being decide that he really wants to be part of that where he's being controlled to that level again and then two even like I said if all like what's a great season for the Broncos this year eight wins seven wins like you know a great season for Russell Wilson is just proving to Sean Payton that they should keep him around for another year as weird as that says I think the best thing for the Denver Broncos is that they start the season off against your beloved Las Vegas Raiders come on (laughs) come on that's 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 one of the best things heading into their 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 season is that they they faced the the Las Vegas Raiders in game one Uh uh-huh better get rid of the ball fast otherwise Max Crosby's going to be wearing a Broncos jersey by the end of the night I'm not scared of Denver let me say that loud Hey, Dev, don't clip that off. Don't play that back for me uh, the day after week one. Let's have a little Ooh. bit of grace around here. Who's yeah. the quarterback week one again for the Raiders? I'm, at this point, it might be you. I don't know. Like Brian Hoyer <laughs> could be starting. I'm Aiden O'Connell going to come out and win the job. My God, this is why I drink. What happened to playoff, Jimmy? We'll talk about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESP Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I hate my life as a fan. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 